Hi, I'm Paul Swingflow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's the end. Well, at least it's a focus on end-user computing as we take a look at what next for the way that high end users interact with services and data. Enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to this week's Tech Interviews. On this week's episode, it's another in our brief series looking at what's next for technology. We're recording this, of course, during the COVID-19 lockdown, certainly lockdown here in the UK. And while there's a lot of discussion at the moment about returning to work and kind of returning to normality, we're taking this opportunity to look at what are the things that we've learned over the last three months from a, an IT perspective and how we're going to be able to utilise that in the future to deploy better technology. So joining me on the show this week to discuss that is actually somebody who approached me about an idea for an episode. Uh, and I thought it fitted really well with this kind of theme of what are we going to do differently in the future? You know, how are we going to learn from from what we found over these uh, over these few months? Uh, he actually first appeared on the show uh, over three years ago. Um, so he's uh, he was one of my very first guests. Uh, so really good to have him back. It's uh, Tony Main of Prame. Hi, Tony. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Paul. It's good to, good to speak to you again. Yeah, it's, it's nice to be on, and thanks for reminding me uh, how long Tech Interviews has been going. So, um, uh, uh, and we've not managed to break it yet. So, um, so, so that's good. Um, well, look, Tony, before we kind of jump into the subject of um, what, what we're going to be talking about today, why don't you tell people about uh, who you are and a little bit about what you do? Certainly. Um, I'm, I'm, as Paul said, Tony Main. Um, I'm one of the, the UK representatives for uh, Prime. Um, Prime's an Italian company that's been in the uh, endpoint manufacturing of of devices for uh, over 30 years. Um, originally, it was a, a company that made VDUs for IBM mainframes and VT screens. Um, we're a thin client vendor now, um, so we actually have now progressed into the realms of supplying endpoints for VDIs and remote desktop. Um, but more recently, we have now adopted more of a focus towards software. Um, software aimed at providing those solutions but not necessarily being tied into our hardware. So it's a, an open solution. Um, we've, um, I'd say, 30 plus years. Um, we've got offices in Italy and Spain, UK and uh, the Scandinavian regions. Um, and it's, a, 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 believe it or not, it's an exciting time to be still in this industry. It's uh, it, it, the, the way things are changing and the way things are developing means that we have to be particularly uh, agile in response and come up with how this is going to how we can respond and, and uh look at supporting the the client base out there it's it's interesting actually tony and what you uh it's part of your introduction there you talked about kind of how long uh, as a company you've been around and, and doing the things that you've done and i look back to the episode that we did um back in 2017 and the title of that episode was um uh, remote, uh, I think we call it thin clients. Are they still relevant? Um, and so here we are, three years later. Uh, are you still in business? So that that guess is uh, makes me think it's still relevant. Um, but probably like a lot of the industry, kind of you've seen, and uh, maybe even more so over the last couple of months, you've seen kind of a change in the way that people are using remote end end type devices. Um, mm. So so what are some of those? Um, what are some of the kind of changes you've seen, and 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 other things that that we've seen accelerate over over the last couple of months that you think will become much more of the norm for people going forward absolutely uh, i think um the the, the the wholesale adoption of, of utilities like teams um has 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 brought to focus the importance of how you actually deliver and run that um the the, the video conferencing side of you know life now has become sort of you know you, you see varying humorous stories of people getting their backgrounds mixed up on zoom calls and the like um 
that's become an issue that's never really had to, the, 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 the focus that it's had as it is currently because video conferencing was something which we wouldn't do as a daily thing. It would be something we'd be done as an event, as a meeting thing. It wasn't something which is like a, you know, a permanent feature. So the, the, the importance of that has become um, paramount. The, the thing that we've seen that's the, the most overriding thing that we've seen is a, as a, as a, I'm not going to say it's an issue, but it's, it, it's a discussion point, was how everybody sort of had to do a, an act now, seek forgiveness later reaction to having to work like this as we do now, to having to do work remotely. We've never had to be in a position to support the number of people external from the, you know, the, the, the four walls of the, um, the corporate world. They've all, we've always had this instance of saying, well, this is how it's going to be internally. This is, these are our procedures. These are our standards. These are our processes. Now, a lot of that has had to have been ignored to get us into a position where we can do something. Um, and what we've seen from our perspective is, okay, that's happened. Genie's out the bottle. We've now got to try and work with the, the what we've got then to try and regain the control, try and regain the security, trying to regain the support that we've previously enjoyed. Because one thing is absolutely certain in our mind is that we will not be returning to the same working environment once the lockdown and COVID disappears. The people have been shown to work from home. They can work reliably. They're empowered to do so. Their productivity isn't suffering. And for those that can, will want to carry on doing it to the large point. So what do we do in that instance, as you said? What are the next steps going to be? How are we going to um, maintain the standards which we've developed over these years and years and years of coming up with things like ITIL and the like to, to, to give us the governance to make sure that data is secure, that working is done, the best practices are adhered to, that people can do things safely um, and not be hampered by the technology. But all of a sudden, the control, which was it, it was all within four walls, has now been scattered to the winds. So we've now been... Sorry. I was going to say, I, I think um, I, I think one of the things you said, Ned, it, it, it's it's a really interesting point. And I think it's one that we see happening all the time. So whenever we're having kind of conversations, when I'm in conversation with people around some of the work that they've had to do over, over the last couple of months, one of the things that continues to come back is this idea of the speed that it's had to be done and the scale that it's had to be done at. You know, so you made a really good point about lots of the work that we've been used to doing, lots of the good practice, the policies, procedures that as an enterprise people have been using to roll out their end-user computing estate, for, for want of a better phrase at least, their end-user computing estate, they've had policies and procedures and a known way of doing things. What, you know, from the middle of March, certainly here in the UK, from the middle of March, that changed overnight. There was a real demand to roll out IT, give people the ability to work from whatever location at home, in most cases, the ability to work from home safely, securely, but do it, do it like yesterday. Yeah. And I think, and is that, has that raised some really important questions as from, from some of your customers and some of the things that you've seen that actually, you know, cause it's interesting kind of where you're going with this is the idea that you're trying to retrospectively fix some of this kind of stuff now, but has that kind of speed and scale added additional complexity has it has it driven new demands for what people are expecting from a, a kind of an end user device completely um i think i think with um 
we when I look back to where we were six months previously, we, we almost had the complete solution that was ready for people to adopt and use if they wanted it. If they knew about us and they knew what we offered, we nearly had all the bits and pieces in there. But we hadn't, even we hadn't looked at it and said, do you know what, that, that product there is going to be fine in, a, in an enterprise environment or a commercial environment, but give it to a, someone who has to use it for the first time from home. It's, it's, it's going to be completely impossible. Um, so we've had to, we've had to, well, we've also been told that's the case as well when we've said customers um, have come to us and said, look, you know, we, we like your product, but it's really very, very tech centric. It's very, you know, you give it to someone who's used to, you know, getting their, any form of wireless device, for instance, you know, you talk, you talk about anything that connects to your internal wireless infrastructure in a domestic way. It's really easy to connect it up. You got an iPhone or you got a TV or even a kettle. You can hook it up, detect your, you know, your wireless network by pressing a button and it's all of a sudden you've, you've got that appliance is now on your wireless network. We've obviously come from the enterprise world whereby we've been very much in the case of, well, it's, it's a technology, pro technology product. You've got to know what you're doing to set it up, which is a, a opposite ends of the spectrum. So we've had to ourselves make the changes to make our um, solution domestic friendly, which is a really, really perplexing thing from a, a you, th you think of something like a VDI connectivity. The last thing on that particular uh, list of requirements is to make it so that somebody who's used to setting up a phone can set up a thin client. Um, and again, it, it flies completely in the face of the, the, the mechanics of thin client computing. It's there for the support environment or support team to easily add solutions to desktops. And that's the focus has been. Now, all of a sudden, it's a case of, well, hang on, there's, a, there's something which is going to be sitting in somebody's home. They've got to have the, they've got to have the um, wherewithal and the skills and the ability and the, new, and the, the nous to actually go and set this up for themselves. And that's not necessarily obvious. So we've had to make a lot of changes to make that work. Um, there's also been, you know, surprisingly good directives from, you know, us, us being the Italian company that we are. The Italian government have put a lot of incentives to, to tech companies to come up with solutions to help with this. Um, and that's a, you know, a, a, a governmental directive from there. So they basically said, what can you do? We said, oh, we can do this. And we've come up with several solutions which are geared towards working that up. But yes, the... So we'll, the um... Well, well, we'll we'll come we will we'll come on to some of those solutions because um, it really intrigues me. It's not really something I've thought about before, but um, I, I, that's a really great point I think that you make. That uh, we, we talk about consumer technology a lot, don't we? And and how consumer technology has changed the way that our users expect enterprise IT to be delivered. So you know, you talked about the idea of using a smartphone, going to a going to a smartphone store, getting an you know, downloading the app from the Play Store or the uh, the Apple Store, downloading an app, it goes on your phone. You don't care at all about all of the back-end infrastructure that has to operate to, to make that app work. You know, you, it you, just, you works, just don't see it. it. You, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you've, got a, you've got a task 
you find a, some, a piece of software that allows you to do that task efficiently. So you just download it, run with it, and you don't you need very little by in terms of education um, and training. In fact, you need none of those things. As long as you know how to install the app, you're, you're pretty good to go. And as you say, you know, en- enterprise IT for all kinds of reasons. You know, you were touching earlier on, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a second. You were touching earlier on about. Uh, some of the security, you know, the data leak prevention policies you need to put in place, the governance of, of application and data usage, all, all of those things that need to be in place. But actually, there's a huge demand now to be able to efficiently and effectively and quickly enable remote workers to make this kind of stuff more user friendly. Um, I mean, is that one of the, is that, and I say, it's, it's a really interesting point, not one I'd really thought about, but is that is that something that you have seen as one of the biggest challenges and, and maybe a uh, one of the the main complexities of the challenge that lots of companies are facing, and and are there other complexities that you've seen that you'd not really um, could say you was, you was very honest to think to say that you as a company have not really thought about this this before. Are there other kind of complexities that you've not really seen coming um, that will make you think differently in the future? I think um, it's one of those things that we've we've had. It's one of the um, I'm blowing my own trumpet a little bit for the company, but we are. We've had the, the bits and pieces in place to do a lot of the things that are now coming up as issues. It's just that they've never had to be applied the way they are. Um, that's the thing, which is we're in a very, very fortunate position from our perspective, um, which which makes me think this is quite good for us. But for instance, the, um, the I was thinking about this last night and this morning. The 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 security side of things we're fully aware of the commercial elements of, of maintaining the business again paramount importance the thing that so often gets overlooked is the support of it um because it's the they'll get it fixed let's let's get the problem solved let's worry about how to do it and and it's usually the support department that gets left holding the baby and that can be tricky the the, the, the way that support normally works in organization is it works like a ripples in a pond. The closer to the data core, the greater the support capability. And the further out the organization it goes, the wider apart the support becomes, the more harder it becomes, the more diluted it becomes. So you, you throw that out into, you know, the, say you look at the data center, be it virtual, physical, highest level of security, highest level of support capability, because it's roughly where the support team are going to be located or very proximate. You then look at the head office, the support team are based there normally, so the support levels are very good, it's easy. You then start going to regional offices, yeah, okay, you still can do it, but if it's a small regional office, you normally get someone who works there to be your support representative, and it might be someone who does the accounts or whoever there's normally a who's the most competent person or who's the unlucky soul who's going to be given this task gets given the task of being the person who has to go and unplug something but of course the support has diminished but it's there in presence but now of course we've gone even further we've now gone to people's homes so the onus on how to support the people's you know, environment and working environment when they're sat in their bedrooms or in their front rooms or in their kitchens is now on that individual and the support team have got very very stretched tools on how they can actually achieve quality support and that's something which has recently been dawning on us that that's the thing that is going to be pivotal moving forward yes 
getting capacity in your VPN is important. Yes, getting your um, security and your data governance rules, vital, absolutely. But when you have to fix those problems that somebody is having externally, what are your tools that the support team have to do it? How easy is it going to be for them to, to pick that up and go, oh, I can fix that, fantastic. Or, you know what, you have to come back in the office with your kit. It's not necessarily going to be achievable, if it is, if you got, as you said, 14-day lockdown imposing because you've got a bit of a sniffle. Um, you're going to say, well, I can't. What am I going to do for the next two weeks? You know, I've got a non-working system. I've got to ship it back. To you. It, 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 you, you, you've got to sort of think about how to actually overcome the uh, those obstacles. And it's the menial tasks. It's from, you know, a great example from my, from my specific sector, the thin client computing sector. The biggest problem that thin client computing experiences is printing. It's the most mundane, the most trivial, and most ignored, and it never goes away because it's so mundane, trivial, meaningless. It causes, as a result of it not working correctly, the most heartache, and the most struggle, and the most annoyance. Luckily, printing is becoming less of a less of a thing because more people are going paperless, which is tremendous. But the same is true of support. The support team often get left to hold the baby when they've had very little input on saying, well, this is really a difficult thing for us. We aren't geared up to support this. We don't have the manpower. We don't have the, the tools required. We don't even have the resource to actually be able to deal with these kind of difficult uh, issues. And that's the thing that I think that we see as one of the big challenges that a lot of the organizations are going to have to sort of realize is that's what they've got to take on board. That's a key thing moving forward. Uh, yeah, I, th I think that's a hugely important point. And, it, and again, a, a little bit like what we were talking about before about kind of making the um, rollout of te technology more consumer friendly. Yeah. I think that idea about looking at support models is, again, another great example of the thing that I think we hadn't really considered, you know, because you know, no, no, and nobody really was prepared for the scale and speed of change that that we needed to work with, and and I think that's perhaps one of the lessons. And, and clearly, you know, you you as a company and, and working alongside your own customers as well as what you do as an organisation, have started to pick up on quite a lot of those things, uh, you know, and that and that kind of idea of simplification and support leads leads to something that always interests me um, and, and certainly has been a query that a lot of the people I talk to have kind of had as they've started to make this change and have more people working you know literally working from home um, you know less and less people in the office who they can kind of keep an eye on they've, they've also become worried about how they're stretching their security model and you kind of touched on this earlier on about some of the changes around um, security something you said actually earlier in that, that last piece around VPN I mean one of the things that we've seen is that lots of organizations have realized that traditional and I'm kind of doing air quotes which obviously don't work on a podcast but the idea of traditional um, traditional VPN doesn't necessarily work for a lot of people it's mm. too complicated it perhaps doesn't scale and I know what kind of when you first contacted me one of the things you you, you guys have kind of learned is to to look at and, and this I think this was something you was doing anyway was to to look a little bit at that security model and see from a an end user computing environment a thin client environment uh, of making some improvements around that so so what are some of the things that you've seen you know what what are, what are some of the changes you're making in that space yeah um that that was quite a, a Again, one of those sort of epiphany moments when I was looking what we do. I mean, we've always supported VPN computing capabilities on our firmware and our software. Uh, it's, you have to um, because 
even if you're not running it as an isolated op, you need that ability to add to it. Um, but, but I've worked with yeah, outside of the thin client sector where there's been you know VPN infrastructure in place, and the amount of time you spend having to fault find a VPN connection issue is 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 surprising, but also it's very very difficult to fix because you your ability to actually remotely connect to that user who's outside now outside of the corporate infrastructure because they're off VPN is is very very challenging, um, and well, it's it's obviously things improve and things get a lot better, but it's it becomes that thing that you you you've got a reliance on a single channel as your mechanism. If that, if that single point of failure becomes a failure, is the reaction and how you fix it. Um, that's something which the way that we now are working is sort of kind of doesn't, it, it doesn't circumvent it at all. It complements it. It presents you with that ability to be able to address those sort of issues. And again, this touches into what I'm saying about the support side, because you want to be in a position where you know, you're working from home, you, you don't yeah. Yes, you can come back into the office if you if you can to get the problem fixed. You don't want them to do that because that's defeating the whole object, or it's going to take time, or it may not even be possible. Um, so you want to be given that tool set to the people who can extend the abilities, or extend the the, the feeling that they're still working at their desk, but working from home. You've got to be able to lift that um, barrier away. And put it beyond the home. You, you really want to be sort of making it very inclusive in the way it's, way it's working. Um, I, I, it's probably too early to talk about how our products fit on this, but that's kind of roughly where we're now in a position to sort of say, yeah, we have a solution for that and we can help. And that's the crucial thing. Well, I think, um, and again, it's, it's kind of, a, you know, it, it, it's a real interesting area, this. And, and I think, again, you, you, you're making some, some very good points and, and you can see how, that that uh, while you was talking, one of the things, and I, I was kind of looking at the the invite I sent you for, for us to record this today, and we called it uh, remote working in complete security. Uh, but the more I look at the idea of remote working, uh, the more I feel that phrase is going to become redundant, isn't it? Because actually, the reality for maybe a lot of companies going forward as they as they plan ahead is actually it's just working. It no longer becomes remote working. It is just the way that we work. You know that the world. You know, you talked about earlier on that the world has indeed changed, and in lots of cases, don't we don't necessarily see that companies are going to? Because I think it would be a real pity if companies have taken things they've learned from and have worked really well for them and have been more effective and efficient, just because suddenly we're allowed to go back to offices and operate in a way, you know, in a year's time, perhaps when we're all operating in a way that um, that, that we've used to be operating, it would be a pity to throw away all those things that we've learned and just go back to doing things that were maybe yeah. less efficient, less effective. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think actually it's probably quite a good time, in fact. Um, so so yeah, I know humbly you were saying maybe this is not a good time to talk about what you guys do, but but I think maybe it is. It's, it's a, you know, just to give, because at the very least, it'll provide the, those listening with some examples of the kind of things that com- companies such as yourselves can do to, enhance security but make technology simple much more easy to adopt and support and allow a much more effective secure and efficient working environment so so what are what are some of the ways that you guys have, have taken this challenge on you know what, what are some of the things that you guys do the one thing that we've um and this goes probably harks back to one of our, our previous podcasts i should probably have listened to before we did this but um one of the things that we've 
been working for. Tony, nobody's nobody's listening to uh, three-year-old exam- uh, episodes of tech interviews. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's like Noah said it, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, so what we've basically been working to for a very long time is we've we've realised that um, the most important aspect of our product is not the hardware; it's the software. It's the firmware that resides on our devices, and it's the glue that holds them in the middle. The the the, the management platform itself. Those are those are the the golden eggs essentially um, and we've been developing all the products we've got a, a Linux product um, we've got a Windows based product we've got the management platform and we've been um, developing all those levels of platform at the same sort of growth rate we've we've worked out what we want to be doing we've significantly dropped the fact that we can well not drop we've, we've now separated our um, management layers so you can actually get the windows management capability and not even have you know just it could be running on a pc always still focusing on the fact that we are very much into virtual computing so we're 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 getting the clients that will talk to a web app or a um, a virtual desktop a remote desktop video whatever that's been effectively the, the the objective of what we're doing it's to present the the user with the ability of connecting to the resources they need to connect to as simply and as painlessly as possible. So we've basically been developing and developing all those products. The most recent complementary side of things was that we adopted using WebSocket Secure as our management layer. And the crux of that is that with the management server in a, an, an internet addressable location, so either public IP or uh, DNS named device that's accessible from anywhere. With that in place, um, the WSS protocol, upon connecting to the internet, will know where that service is, will connect to it, and becomes completely manageable as if it was on the LAN, with the exception of wake on LAN capability. So from that perspective, from our management console, we can see when you've what, what's connected, we can push out configurations, we can push you know, set down policies, we can do remote configuration, we can do firmware resets, the lot, regardless of your location. This is happening prior to any VPN kicking off. So the first thing that happens, it will connect to the internet, we're managing it. The VPN might be the next thing that apl- that applies and then the connection to the, the, the internal RDSH desktop or Citrix session or whatever it happens to be. So if we have that ability at the base layer to actually get that side of things working. So we've now included that protocol in devices that say that will run on our hardware, be it on a Linux-based operating system or a Windows-based operating system on our hardware. We've got the management layer that will run on any version of Windows. Um, so if you've got PCs that you, in haste, have had to drop out onto people's homes to connect them up to your VDI, infrastructure okay great how do you look after them we've got the capability of being able to present that for them we've also got the ability of running our um, linux based operating system directly off usb stick it's given to a customer it's given to your customer all they've got to do is put in their wi-fi credentials and they're then working they take usb stick out and their pc's back to it was where it was the night before so you can play Fortnite or whatever it then goes back to being your own device that's used during the day as a work tool, and it has no impact at all on that device. And over an evening, it becomes a PC again, or a laptop, or whatever. 
all of which are controlled centrally. All of which have got the governance of this is how the data is going to be accessible. This is how the device itself is having access. So we're going to lock out all the USB activity on it. So you can't put um, thumb drives or anything like that on it. No local storage permitted. Um, or allow yeah, access to printers, obviously, or whatever. All will be available regardless of their location and at no disservice or no um, downplaying of functionality or um, work capability. So that is now our core, um, our core sort of principle of business. Well, well, and I think what what really interests me in that is that you know, and obviously they, these aren't all changes you've made in the last two months. I mean, if it no. is, that's you know, that's that's top top DevOps in um, all round to everybody. But but you know, I guess, I guess these are kind of things strategically that you were looking at doing anyway because you already recognised um, some of the some of the problems that we've talked about. You know, but I think they, they, these are problems that people have seen exacerbated hugely yeah. in this last kind of couple of months. You know, that they've seen the challenges of deploying at scale, deploying rapidly the security, the support problems. And it sounds very much to me that the, the kind of the strategic direction you were already taking plays really well with that in that, you know, that that whole delivery model. And I really like that idea of the USB stick, you know, and I, and I appreciate it's not it's not completely unique to, to, to you guys oh, God, no. for doing that. But but I think as a, as a technology, that idea that you can just quickly deploy out to all of your users, you know, all of the people who are working, let's stop calling remote workers, just those who are working wherever they're working, I can give them a USB stick, and that's the latest desktop image. That's the latest way you're you're going to work. It's got the right applications on. It's patched correctly. Yep. You know, and the ability just to be able to do that as simply as that, and you slot that into a USB slot in your normal device, it becomes a work device until it doesn't need to be, and then you take the stick away. You know, I think that's that that that's a great example of. Of, of a method of deployment you know and and are you seeing people really starting to embrace that stuff you know of, of and if people recognized maybe over uh, kind of this last couple of months and as they start to look forward to the way they're going to work have, have people started to recognize the real value in that completely it's the um i was just as you was talking then i was i was thinking about times when i had been doing you know pre-sales calls and the light when you're extolling the virtues of your product set and you're saying you can do this that and that they go oh that's a nice feature but yeah do you know what i don't think i'd ever use that and and now all of a sudden because of where we are at the minute it's like that feature you told me about yeah i want it how do i get it now because it's exactly what i'm missing and it's I think there's, a, there's an awful lot of that going around isn't there you know yeah. oh that that's nice I, I always think microsoft teams brilliant example of that you know loads yeah. and loads of people have office 365 have microsoft teams and oh that's nice anyway let, let me get back where uh, get back to word and type that document up. <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, overnight it became whoa teams how do we use that again um, yeah. but anyway <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, I, I, it's necessities the mother of all invention isn't it because it, it is it is so so very true um we've had we've had the, the we've had all the bits and pieces um but what we've discovered is that we've with what's happened over the last two to three months it's just you, you've focused it far more on what these features are and and if anything as it goes back to the statement of getting the wi-fi friendliness thing is, is of importance because you know it wouldn't it wasn't a, wasn't a key factor it really wasn't you know, we're not expecting people to be plug-in devices in home to, you know, that wasn't part of the way it works. You'd, you'd, you'd give that as a discussion point with any corporation. They would look at you like you're from Mars because there's no way they're going to empower 
their users to work from you know, from home and set their own kit up and connect to their environment. It's just never going to happen. So that's been like a complete sea change in how people's approach to work and how work customer or companies are approaching their employees. They are saying, well, okay, we are now expecting you to do this. We, you know, can you help us out? Can you, is this acceptable for you? Would you be prepared to do this? And as long as it's not onerous and as long as it's simple and capable and most people would be happy to do it because people know, you know, most people aren't daft. They know that this working from home is perceived as a perk, but it's now become a necessity. So yes, they're very, very happy to carry on working in an environment they like. They love the fact they haven't got to commute. You can just rock up at two minutes to nine, still with your breakfast and your first cup of coffee in the day in hand, sit yourself down, power on. You haven't even brushed your teeth, but you're starting working. Perfect lifestyle for most people. They're really, really pleased about it. Um, so they're more than happy. Most people are more than happy to say, "Yeah, we're happy to sort of take on board the a certain amount of you know core IT legwork." And if as long as it's not difficult, and as long as I'm not going to be sort of running anything that's inferior, great. And that's the thing that we want to impress is that it's giving the flexibility. To actually how you can do things it's not going to be a degraded function it's going to be as good a service as you'd have as if you sat at your desk you're going to not going to be missing out because you're now 50 miles away from the office rather than you know one floor away from support team you are going to be able to call them up and say well it's not working and they can then go ah yes great not a problem let's find out where you are i can go and fix it with you now well, well Tony, I think, I, I mean, I, you know, generally, I, I, I think so much to, to explore in this this topic. And actually, as, as we were talking there, you know, you, you think more about one of the big areas that we're going to need to consider as we plan for how we deploy infrastructure in the future, so that you know we we can we can meet challenges, unexpected challenges like like the ones we've been meeting over the last couple of months. Is mm-hmm. that the focus has to be on the end user and the way that they interact with our data? You know, I think that's a that's got to be a huge shift for the way that we we design our infrastructure. So so I think we we could explore this for for hours yet um but you know i I appreciate we're kind of at the kind of the top of our recording time here so um just just before you go um you know if people are listening to this want to find out a little bit more about what you guys are doing and and um you know in the kind of spaces you operate um or maybe they want to kind of hunt you down to to ask your questions find you on social media that kind of stuff um what's the best way of doing all of that um we've got a yeah first place to look is always the website um which is www.prame.com um uh, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, uh, we're on, I believe, Facebook as well, Instagram. Um, if you do a search for Prime on, on any of those sites, um, you'll pick them up. Um, my email address is tony.main at brain.com if you want to get in contact with me that way. I'm always happy to answer questions. Um, I'm always happy to sort of uh, investigate issues and discuss possibilities as long as it's not after five o'clock on a Friday. <laughs> so uh, the, the classic within reason so um well, well tony look I'll, I'll make sure all those contact details and things go in show notes um but I, you know it's been really insightful um and you know and i i think it's great to see that the kind of thought that that you as a company have, have put into some of these challenges and, and how you've helped people overcome them and i think people will have taken some real tips there to, for things that they should be thinking about 
as they kind of plan for yeah. for the next steps of their IT infrastructure. So, uh, but for now, Tony, um, I really appreciate that. Maybe we won't wait three years before you come on the show again. Um, maybe we will. Who knows? But uh, Tony, for now, thank, thanks for being on Tech Interviews and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you very much. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you've got an idea for a show or would like to appear as a Tech Interviews guest, then why not drop me an email? You can find me at podcast at techstringy.com or you can contact me on Twitter at techstringy. If you want to make sure you catch all future episodes, then why not subscribe? You can find us in all good homes of podcasts, including SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.